Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. Okay, well, good morning. I brought my Are You Awake shirt today. (laughs) For like, wow, dude. I am, uh, I woke up in love with Jesus this morning. I went to bed in love with Jesus and actually slept last night. It was amazing. Because the night before I had two hours and that's not as amazing. That's because I was up late. I chose to go to dinner with people after service and that's always nice. And last night we did it again. We went to dinner after service last night. But I got to bed earlier. It was great. We went to Buffalo Wild Wings, which is from the Lord. And... uh, (laughs) Had some mango habanero wings. Actually, naked tenders, because you can get chicken breast and dip them in the sauce, and it's the same as the wing flavor. It's so good. It's better for you, but we had a great time with our waitress, and she got really touched and, and really rocked. And then, you know, it's great when you want to tip them, you know, at the end, and you've blessed them the whole meal, and you want to you tip them, then they refuse the tip because it's too big. That's so fun. Then you have to call in the manager because she's refusing to take this money. And I look at her wrist, the manager's wrist, and she has a tattoo, 116, which is like the Christian hip-hop 116 crew. It's Romans 116, not ashamed of the gospel. I go, oh my gosh, do you you like those guys? I said, I'm friends with Andy Mineo and Tadashi and those guys. She goes, no way. I go, yeah. I said, tell her she needs to take this money. She goes, you need to take this money. She goes, I can't. She goes, but you have to. And it was just great. I mean, it was, it is so powerful because when you bless and love somebody like that and a bill, and, and it was great because I, it started out with, you know, you have a problem with your right foot. She goes, and it was really neat because it's the really one, the only thing that she's really struggling with so bad. She goes, okay, I am freaked out right now. How do you know about my right foot? And it was really cool. And she didn't have a relationship with Jesus. You know, she said she had two religions. From what I got, she's gone to synagogue, so I think one of her parents might be Jewish, one of her parents is Catholic. And so she's gone through mixed up stuff her whole life and, and just made it real clear who Jesus is because he's the narrow gate. He's the way. It was fun. Got to love her and pray for her. Her foot got healed and she got born again. And it was really fun. And just got to tip her. And when you really bless your waitress after you lead her to the Lord and after, I mean, well, the Lord leads her through you. You guys know what I mean, right? Okay, good. So, so she just was really thankful, really blessed, and didn't know what to say. And I said, you know what? Everybody's doing something. You know, they, no one does something for nothing nowadays. But Jesus paid the price so that I could freely give you what he paid. And I said, you don't have to earn it, and you didn't have to earn a tip. Waitresses don't have to earn a tip. You give them a tip. It's called grace. You bless them, even if they don't deserve it. Because we've had some pretty intense situations at restaurants where people are cussing us out and going in the back, and you should see these freaks at my table. Rah, 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 rah. Crazy guy. You should see his hair. Look out there. Look at him. You see the people look out the back. Well, he actually looks pretty cool. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, what? Well, he's talking about, oh, Jesus, oh, gosh. But you have to be very careful to not let this thing get affected by how people see you and how people think about you. And honestly, it's a huge deal. It's so huge that 
That thing, the way we think, disables us from living kingdom. Because um, the devil can't. The devil can't disable you from living kingdom. The way that you think disables you. All right, that's a great subject. <clears throat> the devil doesn't have the ability to take away what he never gave you. Jesus gave you your salvation. Your salvation came from him, but salvation is more than just getting there. It's heaven getting here, but you have to be possessed by how heaven thinks to function here. And you can't afford to get possessed by how the devil thinks because you will make you dysfunctional here. It's really a big deal because he is after this thing. So if you come by here, you have to hug me. All right. Love you. So good. How's your hip? Come on, good. We just want everybody healed. That's just it, right? Come on. And so we really got a chance to really love on her yesterday and bless her. And this morning, I had to check my bags because, you know, when a service is supposed to be over at, uh, when's the next service supposed to be over? 1230. 1230. And you have a one-something flight. I, when we booked this, and Joel told us, no problem, I said to myself, they're from Bethel. They believe in miracles. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's, that's what I said. Blake goes, it's going to be tight. I said, yeah, but Joel said, so we're good. And whatever Joel says, it's going to be okay. It's good. I love it. Gosh. You know, it's important that you and I don't wear life on our sleeve. <laughs> There's a lot to that. Because all of us are going through something. All of us go through getting bombarded, getting plastered by the world, by our jobs, by people, by life, by death, by all kinds of things. And unfortunately, like a lot of people wear that on their countenance. But we need to look up for where our help comes from. Our help comes from him. <clears throat> I don't know if I said it last night. I think I did. That there's a joy center in your brain that comes from the countenance of caregivers, of parents when you grow up, when you're growing up. But even now, there's still that joy center that's inside of you. And if you can't catch the reality of the presence of the face, because the presence of God refers to the face of God. If you can't catch the gaze of the Father and to look up, you know, Moses, Moses went to spend time with God. And when he came down off the mountain, he spent time with the Lord. I mean, like, imagine. A 40-day fast is intense, but an 80-day. I don't know if I'd make it out of that one. Unless, of course, I was with him. But Moses comes down off that mountain, and his face shined, shone, however you want to say it. I don't know what it is. It's, it was shiny. His face was shining from the glory of the Lord. And you and I get to spend time with him. And the more time you spend with him, you can't spend time with him if you have offense, if you have twistedness here. If you have twistedness here because of things that have happened that you've allowed to affect your life, that you are, instead of putting on Christ, you are putting on life. Are you hearing me? You can put on Christ or you can put on life. 
When you woke up this morning, what did you put on? Did you put on life? Did you put on what you're going through? Did you put on what you've been through? Did you put on what you're, what you're hoping for? Because hope is good, but hope deferred makes your heart sick, and we can't afford to be a people with a sick heart. You know, I don't know if you guys know, but I think you do, because you prayed for me probably, where I was in the hospital because I had COVID, and a year later, it weakened my left ventricle, and I was at a, a Power and Love, actually, in uh, North, no, Nashville. Nashville. Yeah, it was powerful, but I couldn't breathe, and it was this weird not being able to breathe, like, what is going on? Can't get my breath, feel really bloated, like, can't, tried to, like, do a cleanse, that didn't work. That's awful in itself. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on? And I, I go back, and my son-in-law, because I mean, I was, I was struggling to breathe, and I'm preaching, and I can't hardly walk, and we're walking around downtown doing outreach, you know, well, kind of, it's more than, out, it's, it's lifestyle, but we're down there, we're ministering. I'm on the back of a truck with a microphone going through the city of Nashville, preaching the gospel, sharing the love of Jesus. It was powerful, but I'm like, can't get my breath. I'm trying to walk up the hill to get back to where we got to go, and I have to stop every few steps, and I'm like, what is happening right now? And I have no idea. And at, this, at the Power and Love, it was powerful. We had so many people healed and set free and salvations. I mean, the janitors were freaking out at the building because everybody was throwing up. <laughs> We'd have worship going, and people are, Bleh! they're getting delivered. And the janitor goes, why are people throwing up everywhere? I'm like, the Lord is here, you know? <laughs> and it was happening in worship. It was powerful. But even in that powerful midst of everything, here I am, like something's happening to me. So I'm, I don't even know what it is. And my wife is like, you need to go to the hospital. I'm like, I, I don't want to go to the hospital. And my, step, or my son-in-law is a nurse. He goes, you need to go to the ER, and you need to go now. So we went to the ER. I go to the hospital, and when I get checked in, they tell me I got double pneumonia, and my lungs are filled with fluid. And I'm like, well, I don't have a fever, so that I find that weird that I would have double pneumonia. So they check me in, and I'm in a waiting room for like eight hours, and then they put me in a, a room, and they're doing all these tests, and, and they can't figure out what's wrong with me, except that my lungs have fluid in them. And so they do more tests and more tests and more tests, and, and then finally the next day, like there's people coming to visit me. My wife is one of them, and my wife is an amazing woman of God, just amazing. She puts up with me. She's amazing. No, it's pretty intense. My life is pretty intense. Everywhere we go, there's never an off switch. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, we go on vacation, it's on. And people are like, no, I'm going on vacation to unwind. You can't find rest in vacation and think that it's going to be there when you get back. Sometimes we go away because we need a break, but we need to live in the break now. We live in rest right now, and we don't allow things to take away our rest from us. We live in a place of rest. We live in that place. A, a respa, a vacation, a, a retreat will not fix you. We need to enter into the finished work of the rest that Jesus paid a price for so that I can enter into his rest. I enter into his rest, not my rest, his rest. Take upon me, his yoke is easy. My, his burden is light. My burden, I take that off take his on, and I get yoked to Jesus, and it's pretty good when he's the one doing the treading. All I am is along for the ride. Are you with me? And so I'm, I'm 
not doing well in the hospital, like can't breathe still, you know, as far as physically. So I've getting poked like a pincushion and I've got great veins, so they're sending the new nurses in. And what that means is that they can't find a line. They, you know, they're trying to find a vein. Well, I'm easy, so they're sending all the new people in. Oh, you are amazing, thank you so much. And I'm like, I feel like a junkie right now because you guys are looking for my veins and never you come in, you're like, yes. It's the weirdest thing. I don't know, nurses understand what that means. But if you can't find a vein, it's hard to draw blood. So they're sending all the new ones in. Like I got like five new ones and I got to preach the gospel and share the truth and every other word because I can hardly breathe. So, But you can't afford to be limited by this thing. I am not what I'm going through. I am what he went through. Guys, I am not what I'm going through. My identity comes from what he went through. Do you understand that? I am living from and in the finished work, and I'm not living in it to be continued. I am, it's finished. And he loves me. But am I going through stuff? Absolutely, it's horrible. Intense. So my wife comes in at the same time the cardiologist comes in. And I don't know anything about anything that's going on. Cardiologist comes in, my wife's sitting there. And he goes, well, Mr. White, we found the problem. He said, your left ventricle has stopped working. It's at 20%. You are having 20% ejection fraction, which means your heart is pumping 20% of its ability. And you are very close to dying. You could die any moment. That's what he says. I go, that's not cool, doc. (laughs) This is my wife. And my wife immediately looks at me like, what is going on? Uh, And I don't know. This is the first time. And the doctor's like, yes, your husband might not make it. And I said, doc, I've got some great news for you, friend. (laughs) And I'm not being mean. I'm being a man of faith that has stewarded my heart that has stewarded the gospel, that has stewarded my wife in the correct way, my kids in the correct way, and love God with all my heart, with all my strength, with all my mind, which means I love this doctor as I love myself. So I'm not gonna come at him in an arrogant way. It's very important because arrogance doesn't fix this thing. Arrogance ruins the testimony. However, I did say to him, I said, Doc, I really appreciate what you've done because you've now diagnosed me. I said, it's amazing, and I thank God that I'm here, that you guys can help. He goes, we're going to get the water off your lungs, your body. Your heart is like a sump pump. It helps to regulate the water inside of your body, and your body can't get the water out, so we're going to give you Lasix and all this stuff that's going to get the water out. And it was like I deflated like a pincushion, literally. Like, it was crazy. I had like 30 pounds of water weight on me that they were like, that was bad. And so we're going to put you on medications. We're actually putting you on 14 medications. And I don't take medicine. I take vitamins. I take Jesus. Like, I just don't. And so he's like, uh, I like your hair. I said, that's awesome, man. Well, you should do yours like it then. You know, I'm just joking. Probably not, he said. And I said, well, thank you so much for the compliment. And I said, do you know Jesus? And he said, uh, I actually go to church every Sunday. I said, I-, I get it. I said, but do you know Jesus? I said, And he said, well, I know Jesus just as much as the rest of us. And I started to share my testimony with him. And he's like, well, drugs could have affected your heart. I said, Doc, that was 18 years ago. He goes, 18 years? I said, yeah, and I shared 
the rest of my testimony because he kind of cut me off when I told him I was a drug addict for 22 years and used everything. And he was like, well, I, that's the reason. I said, oh. I said, the reason is because the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to give us life, and all death, loss, and destruction comes from hell itself. He says, well, as doctors, we've researched this. I get it, and you become smarter than God. But that's just not true. I said, Jesus is king, and God's going to heal me. And I said, and when he does, we're going to have great conversations. But until then, we're going to have great conversations. And so he's like, well, that's great. And he goes, you need to order a life vest because the life vest is a defibrillator vest that you put on you that if your heart goes into, because my heart was in AFib and it was, it was erratic. And they're trying to get this AFib settled down and I'm, I don't even know what that means except I don't even feel anything different except I can't breathe. And so they, they were gonna order this vest but, but uh, insurance, this wouldn't pay for the vest. So it's $7,000 a month to have the vest. And so my wife is like, what are we, you're getting the vest. And the doctor leaves the room. And I said, honey, I said, I need you to look at me. She's crying. I said, come here. I said, I'm not going anywhere. And she looked at me, she goes, but the doctor said, I said, no, look at me. I'm not going anywhere. And she said, how can you say that? I said, could I be your husband if Jesus wasn't in our life? She said, no way. <laughs> I proved that for nine years as a boyfriend that threatened to kill her because I was that lost. I said, could I be a father to our kids if Jesus didn't show up? She said, absolutely not. I said, I proved that with our kid, seven and a half years, lived tormented. And it was really bad. And now we have five kids and we just adopted like, you know, another little boy. So we have two little boys we adopted. Our six-year-old was born addicted to heroin. We got him at birth, went to rehab with him. He had to be on methadone to get free. Now he's six and thriving. And we have another boy that we adopted. He's three now. And it was a mom that chose not to abort. And if she didn't abort and held him, we'll take him. So we got to take him. And he's three. And he's got blonde hair down to here. I don't know why, so long. He looks like a little cherub. He does, you look at him, you're like, oh my gosh. But boy, does he need born again. I don't care how good your kid is, they need saved. Because they'll be like, I love you, daddy, I love you, daddy. Don't take my toy, bap! What is going on? What is happening with you? I'm sorry, Dad. Like, it's crazy. It's just the craziest thing. Just, he's action. He just runs. He watches this little cartoon called Blaze, which is like this four-wheel drive truck thing. And he goes, let's blaze. And he grabs his shoes, puts them on, and runs. And he doesn't stop running. He's like Forrest Gump. He runs all the time. So I've got all these kids. And I said, you know, we just adopted these babies. I said, I'm not going anywhere. She goes, how do you know this? I said, baby, we're going to live and we're going to walk by faith. So the doctors gave me all these. I mean, I was on a drug called amiodarone, which is like the most toxic heart medication that you can possibly take. It has like 30 some side effects and I was experiencing most of them. Like I felt high, which is my worst 
thing because I was, I was a drug addict. And that, not that I felt high that it's gonna make me wanna use. I have nothing to do with that, nor does it have anything to do with me. And I am, you never have a high like Jesus in your life. Like he comes in, nothing can help, can enhance that. Nothing can take, like, but it was dulling me down, making me tired all the time. So I'm on all these medications, blood pressure medication, heart medication, you name it, I'm on it. Lasix, like it was crazy. I'm like, why do I have to take all these? I felt like I had all these different pills that I got to take and, and I'm glad the nurses were there to do it all because I, I would have never been able to do it. So I'm knocked out, I'm drugged up and I'm in there five days and the doctor said, well, <clears throat> If things don't change, you need a defibrillator put in. And I said, Doc, I'm not getting a defibrillator. And he goes, well, you are wearing the vest, right? My first two weeks you know, appointment. He goes, you are wearing the vest. I said, I'm sorry, I didn't wear your vest. And he goes, do you want to die? That's what he said. I said, do I want to die? I said, suppose I did die. If I did die, it's going to be like this. When you die, what do you think's gonna happen? Well, I would hope, and well, I hope that. Well, I, 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 but you're not sure, man. See, I'm sure. See, because absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm gonna go be with the Lord, and he's gonna look at me and say, well done. And I shared a whole bunch of testimonies, and he's like, this, you know, we're talking about your heart. I, got, I am talking about my heart right now, bro. And I'm sharing testimonies. And he's having struggles with me. Medicine struggles with me. Not that I'm against them. I think they're great. But I'm, I'm for Jesus. And he needs born again. He needs saved. He needs, he's Presbyterian, goes to church because his wife goes to church. And he's a good guy. And honestly, he's a nice guy. Very sarcastic. Very, very agitated with me. Very short with me. Nurse would come in, get out of the room as quick as she possibly could. And then the doctor would come in and I'd be in there for a while waiting and, hey, good to see you. So tell me how you're doing. I'm doing amazing. You check my heart, do an echo. And well, your heart's not progressing. I said, yeah, but God's gonna heal it. It's gonna be amazing. And he was like, well, it's not progressing. I go, okay, that's great. I love you, man. Listen, Jesus. And I just go after God, pray for nurses and freak them out. Nurses are getting healed. Patients are getting healed because I'm in a doctor's office. Am I sick? Yes. But is that going to affect me in a way where I'm not gonna pour Jesus out on my soul? No way. Dude, I'm not alive for me, I'm alive for him. Do I go through stuff? Oh my gosh, yeah. Crazy stuff, I'm going through stuff right now. We all go through stuff, but stuff is not supposed to be worn on your face. Your countenance is supposed to shine. You and I are brothers and sisters, and it says that iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Don't give somebody a pity party. Don't give them a pity party and say, woe is you. You get with them, you speak truth to them, and you allow their countenance to be shiny. That is why we're alive. We're here to encourage people, but not just a little bit. We're here to stoke the fire inside of people and get them to see that God is real. When you go through a trial and you are going through a fire, the most amazing effect can be happening as you're going through the fire. Listen, this fire for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was so real. Are you with me? This Nebuchadnezzar king, he's like, you're gonna bow to me. They're like, 
I love, you ever see the movie, the, the show Superbook? I watch them all the time with my kids. I learn so much from them. It's like amazing. People are like, it's a cartoon. Don't be above, guys. Be careful. And so they're standing in front of Nebuchadnezzar. What is your fire to us, O king? We won't bow to anybody else but our God. Like, so what? Do you understand the first level of fire would have killed him? But he turned it up seven times hotter. Do you know they would have died in the first fire? Are you with me? The fire isn't the problem. The fire is never the issue. It's who is with you in the fire. Who is with you? You've got the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they are, hey, if you're walking in, you have to give me a hug. Come on. Okay. Bless you. Amen. Okay. Now, don't just walk in because you want a hug. Just kidding. <clears throat> and so, this Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are standing on the edge of the furnace. They've got the king's guards that are going to toss them in the fire, right? So, like, when the fire blazed really hot, what, happens to the ki- what happened to the king's guards? They died. So, how did they get in the fire? If the king's guards were toasted because of the fire, how did they get in? I believe they jumped in. I believe that the fire was never the issue. They truly believed it wasn't. The king's guards died before they pushed him into the fire. I believe the boys jumped into the fire willingly, knowing that if they died, they died. But they believed that Jesus was going to preserve them. And so in that fire, it's one of the greatest conversions in the whole Old Testament where this heathen king bows to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I believe it's a prophetic picture of us when we faced fires and trials, when we faced them, that we faced them in the Lord, and then all of a sudden, through that fire, through that trial, it produces patience. Look, if we had a conference on patience, very few attendees are coming, man. Huge patience confidence. Register now. It's not like what are we doing? Like, I ain't going to the patience conference. Last time I prayed for patience, I hit every stoplight. Like, come on, really, right? And so, sure enough, patience is actually a lack of patience is the truth of the lack of love, because the first attribute of love is patience. Love is patient. Love is, come on, dude. You don't forget that. Look, how, do we, how many of you want to be perfect and complete, lacking nothing? Amen. Hey, then let patience have its perfect work in you so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Not many of you are smiling. You need to be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Come on, patience is intense, right? But I have to have patience with this doctor because he's going off every time. Are you taking your medication? Are you doing this? And I actually did the medications. I did them for like 60 days. And my heart didn't recover. It only went from 20% to 32%. So I'm at 32%. And he says, listen to me. He goes, Mr. White. He said, you cannot go like you're going. You have to get that vest. You have to this. You have to that. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to do a 40-day water fast. And I am coming off of all the medicines. 
and I'm not taking any vest, and I'm going to trust God. He looked at me, and he goes, you will die. I said, you don't have the final say in that. I really did. And my wife was not comfortable with this. Like, my wife every night had her hand on my chest. She was like, she had her hand on my chest. Hey, Blake, I see a clock on that thing. All right. He's like, dude, you're cutting it close. Because it's an eternal message. I want you guys to get something out of this. Amen? Okay? I want you to be inspired so that when you go through the fire, there's a fourth man there. And you come out not smelling like smoke. And the people that watched you go through that fire, that trial, are so freaked out that this has to be God. We are created for the impossible. We are built to face impossible situations. You are created by God, put on this earth. You get born again so that you can be refathered, not not fathered by the world or the God of this world, but fathered by the Father to have his heart, his mind towards every impossibility. You are created to face that impossibility with the awareness that God wants to show up big and you have to be very careful to not let this thing get twisted, get mixed up and get focused on what you cannot see. Come on, you can't see it. Like, and when I say can't see, we need to focus on what we can't see. But a lot of times we're so focused on what we can see that it disrupts this thing and it makes us like this, where the world is spinning and we just need a break. Last night, that waitress just needed a break. She was said, I said this morning, I just need a break from all this. She's going through it. Everybody's going through it. But as a Christian, you can't be going through it. You have to be going to it. You can't be going through it. You have to be completely possessed by the truth and go after this thing with tenacity. People around you are watching your life wondering, will the real Christian please step forward? They're looking for that. They're looking for hope. And we are ambassadors of hope. We are people of hope. We have hope. Don't let your hope be deferred. Don't let life speak louder. Don't let life and your experience speak louder than the gospel, the freedom that's in Christ. So I went on this 40-day journey, and the doctor didn't want to see me. And he was like, no, no, no. So I did it. My wife, the first week, she's like, you you can't do this. I said, I'm already a week in. Then I did the second week, and I'm already two weeks in. Three weeks, no doctor checkups. Four weeks, nothing. Five Nothing. Six. I'm going for this thing. Is it hard? Oh my gosh. I don't know about you, but I love food. So yes, it's hard. And I go 40 days into this thing and I'm so excited because I just know Jesus is doing something. I go back to the doctor, get checked, and I'm 100% healed. 100% healed. 100% healed. And the doctor looked at me and said, you are out of your mind. And I said, I am out of yours. God loves me, and he loves you. I said, now you're going to go with me on a trip. He goes, no, I I never agreed to that. Oh, no, 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 buddy. Not happening. You've watched lots of nurses get healed. You've watched lots of people get touched. You've been touched. He goes, let me tell you what has happened. He goes, you have given me a completely different perspective on who God is. Now, he never said, I need to repent. I need to get on my knees. I need to give my life to Jesus. There's a level of pride and all that stuff there. Plus, there's also that thought of, you know, like the whole medicine malpractice, like 
all those things. He could possibly be building a lawsuit. I don't know what this man is doing. There's all that stuff in there. But I just told him how much I loved him and how much Jesus cared for him and how much I wanted him to know how real our king is. And he was like, thank you, thank you. Now I don't need to see you anymore. Basically, really, they just, they, they just shut me down. So now my heart is 100% healed. But here's the thing. I, I, got, I got a question for you. If this whole thing, and you're finding that you're being traumatized by life, you're finding that these things in life just keep pounding. They don't stop. I just want you to know, me praying for you won't stop it. But me praying for you will strengthen your inner man so that when you face it, you'll face it with the Father. Are you with me? So if that's something that is in you and you have been going through it, one thing after another, I just want you to stand up. I want to pray for you. Come on. Well, well, it seems to be the whole church. Why? Because the devil's crafty, man. These last three years have been absolute havoc for the body of Christ. They've been nailed. They've been, look, I know people that relationships have gone so twisted, here, Blake, have gone so twisted and so weird where they don't even talk anymore. There's people in the body of Christ that don't even have any kind of relationship anymore because they've allowed the enemy to come in and trap them in a place. Let's be a people that don't allow the trap. Let's be a people that don't allow offense. Let's be a people that don't allow that stuff into our life. Are you with me? So I want to pray for you for what God has done. This is, not, this is just one scenario. I've had 18 years of them. And very intense. Way more intense than the last one I just told you. Maybe not physically like that. But I'm talking about family stuff. I'm, about, I'm talking about families wanting to put a gun to my head. People with death threats. All that stuff. I've watched Jesus manifest in such a magnificent way. And I've watched the people that did it give their life to Jesus. I watched those people repent and give their life to God. But I've watched so many people over 18 years because of the trials that I've been through. Them see it. Come to me and say, I don't know your Jesus and I need to because there's no way you did that unless he would be with you. Like Nicodemus said to Jesus, we know that you're a teacher that came from God because no one can do what you're doing unless he is. We are supposed to be known as people that are from God because we cannot do the things that we do lest God is real. Are you with me? So Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. I'm asking you to impart the grace to be able to face the trial, the fire, with the fire of heaven, the beauty of heaven. God, thank you for everyone in here. I'm asking you to bless them, overwhelm them, shift their perspective, change their heart, take their mind and switch it to heaven's perspective. God, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you. I thank you. If you have a medical challenge right now, in your life and you are facing something that the doctors have given you a horrible end a horrible diagnosis to this I want you to put your hand up right now it's okay just put your hand up come on we're gonna pray we're gonna crush this stuff real quick okay because God is faithful so I want you to extend your hands towards the people that have their hands up please there's a man in the back I just want you guys to help me let's pray real quick Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that even though the doctor has diagnosed it and even though it's an actual fact, I thank you that those facts are temporal, but truth is eternal. 
In the name of Jesus, we, iron sharpening iron, sharpen the countenance of our friend. God, thank you that the countenance of everyone we're praying for would shift and change because of a heavenly reality, a heavenly perspective. God, thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you for healing. In Jesus' name, I thank you for courage. I thank you. We bind hopelessness with hope. We cast out hopelessness with hope. We pull down vain imaginations that doctors' reports have come in and brought into people. We cast them down and we bring them to the obedience of the mind of Christ. Father, I'm asking you right now in Jesus' name, show up big. Show up in family that has been completely dismantled because of a diagnosis over a family member. God, thank you that you would touch them. God, touch the family members that say, well, if God would allow that in your life, I don't want to have anything to do with that God. I'm asking you to snatch their heart out of the fire right now and bring them home to Jesus. God, thank you. And not home in the fact where they'd go to heaven now, but home in the fact where heaven would come to them now. God, we thank you. We declare victory over every one of these diagnoses. We thank you. We love you. In the name of Jesus, God, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, Lord, we love you. We thank you. Thank you. You be healed right now. No more. No more. No more sleepless nights. It's over right now. Jesus, thank you. No more. No more. No more. Jesus. Jesus, thank you. God, we love you. We give you glory. Thank you, Father. No more. I break that sadness. I break it right now. I break it right now. I don't care what they label you. You're a daughter of a king. You experience freedom in your soul right now. You look up to where your help comes from. I break the power of that thing right now. Jesus' name, depression, I curse you and command you. Don't you touch her again. Thank you. No more. God, thank you for your daughter that you love. Jesus, thank you. I see you as a super mom. A super mom. Jesus, thank you. God, thank you for her heart and hope for kids. That's right. Jesus, thank you. Jesus' name. Wow, your family's gonna be rocked by this. I'm talking rocked by this. Your whole family. You're gonna see them all born again. Jesus, thank you. Great grace, God. Amen. All right, I gotta run. I love you. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.